go. All right. Welcome to the Slow Wine Guide 2021. I'm here with Pietro Butita from Prima Materia. Welcome, Pietro. Hi. Happy to be here. So please tell us about the name of your winery, Prima Materia. Yeah, Prima Materia, it refers to the school of alchemy. Uh, Prima Materia is the first element that everything is made out of. And it goes through a lot of transformative processes trying to get to its end goal, just like wine. So just that mix of soil, agriculture, and then time that kind of congeals into wine was really interesting to me. And alchemy is just fan fantastically interesting on its own, uh, really engaging and parallel in a lot of really unique ways. So it was just a natural fit. Plus the images that are part of it are really fascinating as well. We, yes, and we are going to have to talk about the labels. There's no way around that. So you are the philosopher winemaker. You're our philosopher winemaker. <laughs> Undergraduate. Yeah. yeah, okay, all right. So the first wine, we've got three wines and the first wine we're starting with today is a Negro Amaro. Can you tell us where the wine is grown and a little bit about how this unique grape variety is adapting to your vineyard in Lake County? Yeah, so 95% of our wines are estate grown in Lake County in Kelsey Bench, which is sort of a centrally located AVA just outside of the Kelseyville area. Uh, we're located between two mountain ranges, the Vacas, or the run out of the Vaca Mountains, and then the Mayacamas. And then we have a third factor in the middle, which is the Mount Canocti volcano, which last exploded 10,000 years ago. Fairly young, yeah. Yeah, so these are pretty young soils. Uh, and then we're just a couple miles away from Clear Lake, which is the oldest, geologically the oldest lake in, uh, I think, North America, actually, not just America. Uh, really kind of a unique confluence of forces. Um, and we're at about 1,450 feet. Uh, the Negro Maro specifically, um, we were planting a lot of serious reds, like Sagrantino, Rafosco, Ionico. Um, Negro Mar was fascinating to me as a somewhat more casual wine, but with really bizarre aromatics and possibilities to it. Uh, I wasn't sure if it would really necessarily enjoy the altitude, but it definitely can take a lot of heat, as we know from its homeland in Puglia. And it's pretty happy with clay as well, and our, our soils are about 40% clay. Uh, so I thought that we could really get um, get the terroir kind of in the ballpark and just see what happens with it. So this is the third estate vintage. So I'm still definitely learning with this wine. Uh, and this particular vintage is a little bit unique because this never went into a barrel. This is all tank, uh, mainly because Negro Mara has a really, uh, a really unique like pink fig flesh note mm -hmm. and it's very delicate. And it was, it's still making me crazy because it tends to sort of disappear with a little bit of aging. So mm, you mean the anthocyanin, so it's fairly light in anthocyanin. So the, the, the color here is gorgeous. Yeah. It's medium at the core. It's a beautiful ruby. It's, the meniscus is starting to pull back a little bit. I mean, it's starting mm. to show that it's moving, it's evolving. They're, um, they're fairly thick skins and, and the color does seem to be pretty stable with it. Uh, but it's it's these kind of weird tobacco, shoe polish, smoke. And then when it's young, it has some really pretty like green melon and fresh fig notes to it. And I really mm -hmm. wanted to try to keep every, mo every mm -hmm. molecule of aroma in there. Uh, so this stayed in tank. Uh, it spent nine months in there, then just straight to bottle. 
um, just to see what we could hang on to fruit and aromatics wise. And I think you it, held on to, I think you held on to a lot. Yeah, the there's fig, a lot. You know, it's fig season right now. Boy, figs are, mm -hmm. uh, figs are radiating out of the glass and it's so fresh and light and bright. There's not an over, it's not too much over extraction or it, it's just alive in the glass. It's really yeah. showing well. It's pretty pure, yeah. So I, Very peppery on the finish, too. Peppery finish. Yeah, it, it does get kind of a leathery. Uh, there's a tiny bit of whole cluster in here, but not really enough to affect that um, too much. But yeah, like now it's now that I have like a baseline to work with. Now we'll we'll see how the what I'm going to do with it in the future, just to kind of fill in the edges. So this wine is unfiltered, right? Because I have a little bit of sediment in my glass. Yeah, and we are getting a little bit of sediment. Um, everything we do is unfined, unfiltered. Uh, we're pretty minimalist in most things. I'm, I try to minimize sulfur usage, not out of any ideological stance, but just because I know it changes a barrel when you sulfur it up. Uh, so we go as far as we can without adding that free bottle bit of sulfur. Just, I find it, you get more maturity and more stability in the long run by doing that. Mm. And so some of the secondary characteristics here are coming from STEM inclusion. Uh, yes. um, there's not a whole lot in there, maybe 10%. Okay. Oh my, that's just a flicker. Okay. Yeah. It's, Great. It's more the expansiveness of the grape. So wow. still definitely learning with this one. Well, you, you really teased this one out. <laughs> I have okay. to say. Thank you. Appreciate that. Great, really showing well today. Char absolutely charming. So wine, uh, wine number two we decided was a, light, a lighter style Sagrantino. Yeah, so this this is our first vintage of Sagrantino. Uh, it's actually a non-vintage. I planted the grapes in 2012. Um, had a whole road trip up to Eastern Washington to pick up the vines because I couldn't find them anywhere. Wow. Um, but Sagrantino is very low producer early on and then becomes a very vigorous vine. So in 2015, 2016, and 2017, we got one barrel from the acre each of those years. Wow. So this is one third each of those vintages. Um, and it's interesting to me as the vines have become older, the wine has changed quite a bit. I would consider this more medium body uh, than a lot of the more rustic, bigger styles of Sagrantino. Uh huh. Although we are seeing some more modern pro producers like Scotia Diavoli, or they're doing a more acid-driven, bright, fresh style. And a really interesting method shape of uh, Sagrantino as well, sparkling wine. But uh, had a hunch, Sagrantino, Umbria, again, something of a terroir match for where we're at. Altitude, clay, um, summer heat. Uh, and now it's... Now that it's filling in in the vineyard and starting to really uh, handle heat and water stress, uh, I actually think it's we're going to have a lot of potential with this wine in the future. Wow, um, I am loving the tannin expression on the finish of this wine. I mean, yeah. Sacratino, I'm going to fess up. Sacratino is a tricky, tricky variety for me yeah. personally. So, um, and and um, and this, there's so much fruit. There's plenty of fruit. It's like well balanced. Mm. The fruit against the tannin against yeah. the acidity. It's you, you've got a balanced wine here, and it, of course, it's the blending of the three, the two reserve wines into into the last vintage. So yeah, 
But I'm excited, uh, just even with this as the first bottling, that sort of a notion of finesse and balance can be coming out of it. Because younger vines, it's difficult. You get high alcohol hanging out. Yeah. It's hard. You have more sun exposure. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like Sangiovese on steroids, but in a positive way that I think still still shows good uh, good authenticity. Absolutely. I mean, it's, I, you think about the transparency of Sagrantino, I think about it in any way, but such a, the amount of structure that's in Sagrantino mm -hmm. and then how transparent it is of the terroir, if there's too much water or, you know, it can show you all those things. Mm -hmm. um, and then and, and slap you in the face with the tannin at the same time. <laughs> yeah, and that's the main thing with Sagrantino is you're trying to balance, you know, it's getting late in summer, sugars are starting to creep up, but you have all of this really intense tannin and you want to make sure the tannin is mature as possible, that you're Physiological, right. alcohol and acid, get everything at the right moment. Um, yeah, so I'm actually, I'm learning a couple tricks with uh, dealing with laterals and reducing some of the leaf surface. Because Sagrantino naturally will go 17% easily. Uh, it just, it's, the canopies are incredibly leafy. I've never seen anything like it. Hmm. So just choking that back a little bit, uh, I think is helping to moderate the alcohol, mm -hmm. the, the balance zone rather than the rocket fuel zone. Absolutely. Old tannin development. So. Yeah, just reel it, rein it in. Rain it yeah, in. and hopefully without deforming the nature of the vine too much. There's there's a whole parallel where I don't want to inflict my beliefs on the vines. I want them to express naturally what they're what they're going for, but you know, maybe around the edges we can help them achieve what they would want to otherwise. Okay, it's a gentle, it's a gentle pullback. It's a nudge. All right. Yeah, it's an occasional nudge. So. Yeah, Not I got different. it. Okay. <laughs> nothing, nothing heavy handed here at Prima Materia. Okay. Yeah, well, that's a parallel discussion. We don't want to manipulate the vines necessarily any more than the wine to get true clarity. You know, we didn't, we didn't touch on the label for the Negro Omaro. Should we stop right now and talk about both labels before we go to wine oh. number three? Because I don't want to overlook the label discussion here. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's just track back for a moment to the Negro Amaro. And, and Pietro, tell us a little bit about this fantastic, fantastic yeah. uh, label. It's, it's, it's visually... actually uh, an old book cover from the 1600s, from an actual alchemical manuscript. Uh, and all of the sort of mandalas and different images all interrelate with the progress of knowledge and moving towards the Sorcerer's Stone or whatever. Um, I mean, alchemy wasn't just about uh, sure, it was about gold in some way, but half the journey of the alchemist was to understand nature and themselves. It was almost like a form of therapy in a lot of mm -hmm. ways too. Mm -hmm. So all of the all of the images represent a different level of knowledge becoming, and then matter transforming into something else. So just again paralleling wine in a lot of ways, and the passage of time and growth and the natural cycles. Uh, and then we sort of inserted uh, Latin, actually says eight barrels grown in Lake County, Anno, et cetera. So it's a little bit tongue in cheek and fun as well. But the, yeah, the yeah. imagery it, is well, it's really... definitely got a very retro, retro feel. Yeah. And... I mean, I'm fundamentally conservative in a lot of ways. You know, I, I, I read and read still a lot of Plato and Socrates type stuff. So I, I value historical... Uh, modes of thought, 
even if they've been corrected or changed, I think there's something inherently of value with looking right. to the past. Well, anyone who knows you knows that. So yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's good to tell the world. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> no, 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 don't. No, we, we, need, we need deep thinkers in this business. I can tell you that. So, so the Sagratino, there's, there's a, an epic battle going on the label of the Sagratino. Yeah, the label is actually a source, <laughs> it's a source of controversy still because the, the, the green lion eating the sun or the moon, uh, yeah. the, the processes are reversed in this one. So you can still find uh, online alchemy discussion boards trying to understand what this image is representing. Right, so this is a classic, classic image of al alchemy it would be referenced yeah. in alchemy. All yeah, right. this, this one's pretty deep as far as the representations, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it looks exciting. There are things happening. The sun and the moon mm -hmm. are present. Um, and so, you know, you're definitely, you're definitely drawn into the action on the label. <laughs> yeah, and even, you know, if something, you know, it's a lion eating something, but even those, what could be construed as a violent act can also be a constructive, performative, creative act. Too. The, the, the alchemy is always about things moving in balance together. So, and we're trying to understand Sagrantino. So it's, it's well, a work in progress. I think that the, the, the label is very apropos because this Sagrantino is moving in balance. Okay. Thank you. In my, in my humble opinion. All right. So last but not least, and certainly these are three totally new wines for you. We had three different wines last year. We have the 2016 Refosco. Refosco, yes. Uh, fascinating to me, just, you know, Rafosco was making fantastic wine in Napa Valley in the 1890s. It was a grape that was recommended for planting uh, in a lot of California. It was known that it was a thing uh, when Eugene Hilgard was doing all of his tests for the university system in the 1880s, 90s. I read about that, It was, yeah. it was something in zone two, cool coastal, you got a really bright, spicy, peppery, great 12% alcohol, wine, zippy and zingy. Uh, zone three, you get something a little more medium bodied and you can plant it in zone four and get almost something petite Syrah-ish, gritty, dark, a good amount of tannin. Um, it's a flexible grape, uh, unlike something like Nebbiolo or Pinot that, that are a little more specific with the needs. Uh, so that was kind of fascinating. Um, and then, as I learned a little, little bit more about Friuli's subzones and the interesting weather there, it just, you know, we didn't plant a whole lot of it, but I was so fascinated just by the history of the grape. And then, of course, it got confused with Mondeuse up at Jackson Vineyard and how that happened exactly. Um, but uh, Daryl Cordy assured me that the person who brought the vines into Napa Valley was, in fact, a count from Friuli. So Mon the Mondeuse confusion must have been an ampelography mistake. Right. Yeah. Someone misidentified a leaf or a bunch. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and I've had a few mondooses that kind of you get that like, oh, I see it now. I, I get the pretty peppery purple tones and all of that. Mm -hmm. Well, if there there should be no concerns about anthocyanin here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're warmer and at altitude, so we get pretty thick skins. Uh, this is the Rafosco Nostrano type, not the Pedoncolo Rosso, which is probably a little more famous. But Rafosco falls into several different, somewhat distinct families. Families, so, yeah. It's yeah. a busy family. It's got a lot of family action. <laughs> yeah, it's an old grape for sure. Um, 
and for me, the 2016, this was the first year that I started picking it in two different passes. Mm -hmm. uh, because for me, one of the things I like about some of the slightly less riper Foscos is mm -hmm. not the overbearing acidity that it can have when you pick too early, but it can have a really attractive bitterness in the core. And we were kind of missing out on that the first couple of vintages where it went into bigger, heavier, almost raw blueberry earth. Yeah, you were in zone four mode, but now you pulled back a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, pulled back a little bit. So splitting the pick, uh, one for, you know, more maturity and more tannin focused, and the first one a little more fruit and acid focused. And they kind of fought in barrel for the first two years. And now it's starting to see see it come through. Um, and despite the fruit, and we have no shortage of fruit in Lake County. We get plenty of sunlight. So if anything constraining that is our winemaking goal. Um, but I get also a little bit of that minerally, almost metallic in the core, which to me is sort of an old world signature. That is for me, it's, that's one of the things is being authentic to where we're at, being authentic to the vine and having a little snapshot of its typicity and its homeland through the lens of Lake County and high altitude volcanic soils. So we can I can't, I can't stop smelling this wine. I just cannot stop smelling it. It is, it's a combination of blue and purple fruit. It's mm -hmm. like, it's a beautiful melange of all these dark fruits and maybe some dark plums and, mm -hmm. and, but it's so, when it gets a little breath of air in the glass and you start to give it a little, move, move it around a little, it yeah. just so, so much volatile aroma it's wonderful yeah and that's after over two years in barrel um we actually hand bottle all of our wines so i keep them very reductive so that they can absorb a little bit of oxygen mm -hmm. the bottling process and once they breathe a little bit they kind of spring to life so oh my guess it's like the wine takes a giant deep breath and then yeah. it just flowers it in the glass great. I've had the same experience with cheeses that have been wrapped up too long. Like these, oh, yeah. these living things that need to breathe a little bit to correct. Yeah, a, a really beautiful cheese wrapped up in plastic in your, in your you know, bench yeah. bin. And then you Spring. pull it out, give it a moment. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm sorry, they don't smell as good as this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is, yeah, three different grapes that I think have an interesting provide an interesting lens to understanding Lake County. I, we already know Lake County can make great Cabernet Sauvignon. Red Hills is doing fantastic with that. It can make uh, compelling Petite Syrah, Old Vines Infidel Vineyards that still exist. Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah, Sauvignon Blanc also. <laughs> Sorry, I haven't actually, I, I don't make Sauvignon Blanc. I'm a, I'm a little bit of the outlier with that. I tend to forget. But yeah, the microclimates in Lake County, the soils, there are a lot of opportunities to figure out what the right things are in a lot of different places. And that's a really exciting adventure to be part of. Well, you're absolutely pushing the envelope. And for that, we thank you oh, <laughs> with thank all you. our hearts. Thank you so much, Pietro. We're looking forward to seeing you in the 2021 Slow Wine Guide. Thank you for Bye. Bye-bye.